Welcome back to the exchange by Evolution, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Rihanna and I help connect businesses with tech talent and today I'm your host. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the exciting story of how an early stage startup, One Stories, is shaping the future of content creation with generative AI. Joining me today is none other than Anufred Rao, CEO of One Stories and Harris Malloy, One B Stories uh, Head of Marketing. So before we get into the discussion, just a quick disclaimer that all thoughts and views spoken by any of the speakers or myself are only representative of each individual and not that of their company. So yeah, thanks for being here and welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you, Neil. Um, Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Let's start, I guess, with uh, a round of introduction to get our listeners introduced to you guys. So um, maybe uh, I know what you like to say. Oh, happy to. Yeah. Um, well, I'm actually a pretty simple guy. I grew up in Singapore and then went to the UK for about 10 years. Uh, studied there, worked there, came back to Singapore and spent about nine years at Google. Uh, did lots of different things. In my time at Google, I was working on the YouTube team, then worked on the web team, uh, launching things like PWAs and AMP and Firebase, uh, worked on Assistant and Search, and then you know, eventually decided to go start my own company after many years of launching products for Google, decided to go build something of my own. Okay, nice, cool. Um, Harris? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm the head of marketing at, at 1B, and um, uh, I think that you know, this is actually not a uh, very unfamiliar territory for me. Uh, so I, other than work, of course, we always, always like to talk about work, uh, but my hobbies uh, actually allow me to lend my voice to the stage. Uh, whenever there's a mic, I'm always there. So, you know, I try to, of course, I love tech, uh, I love content, first of all, because, you know, I, I produce a lot of content for myself and technology is something I think is, just makes content a lot easier. And then when I heard about 1B Stories, what we were doing, you're like, you know, that sounds fantastic because it's exactly what I wanted to do and I can do it simpler for more people. And I think that's the reason, you know, why I joined. And uh, yeah, so I'm hitting the team, trying to make sure that more people know about us, uh, that we get more leads and more clients for the business so that we can, of course, help more people out there. Thanks. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm sure our listeners are curious to know the story about how, you know, one day stories came about. So sure. if you'd like to share the journey, like, What's it about? What's the product about? Yeah, just... Yeah, absolutely. So 1B Stories, it stands for a billion stories. Uh, when I decided to start this company, the vision was to get to a billion stories in five years. We're now at about year two. And uh, it's a grand vision where we can enable the world to do storytelling through technology. Uh, we actually believe that, you know, the way that you tell stories is actually the real art of content. And if technology can help you tell stories better, faster, simpler, easier, that's actually a very empowering thing to do. And so we're actually in this space of generative AI where we're using our tech in multiple different ways to tell people stories. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I think generative AI, let's, let's, let's speak a little bit more yes, about Yes, it is buzzword. That's, that's <laughs> a word that I think most people, even myself, is only familiar with, like, just at the start of the year. So. Why generative AI? Why choose to work with generative AI? And like, you know, what's the benefits? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, to be very honest, we were kind of doing generative AI even before this generative AI term came up. Uh, our whole vision was, well, people want to consume content in mobile, vertical, short form yeah. formats, uh, in video. But most content out there when it comes to brands and publishers doesn't exist in that format. It exists in long form text. It exists as static files or long videos or 
whatever, right? It's not in this kind of Instagram reels, TikTok, YouTube shorts type format. And so we felt if you could build an engine that can automatically convert this content that is not in the format that the current generation wants to consume in, but convert it to this format, vertical short videos, then that would be very interesting. And so we started on this journey about two years ago. We started building the product and then generative AI really took off maybe nine months ago when ChatGPT came. And so we very much just, in a sense, adopted the term generative AI because we were doing generative AI already. We were generating content in an automated kind of way. So, you know, our very first product, for example, is one where we convert articles into videos. And so you think about a news publisher, right? And we've got many across the world. They have lots and lots of content in text format. They have it in editorial format. They don't have it in video format. And many of the audiences today have shifted to as video and are mostly found on places like TikTok and Instagram Reels and YouTube. If we could build an engine that you can just literally drop in a URL, press a button, and we'll automatically convert that into a TikTok video, that I thought would be very interesting. And that's really what we've built as our core focus. Um, you know, Harris can share a little bit more as well. No, absolutely. Because the thing is, readership has gone down, but viewership has gone up, yeah. right? And I think kids today, you know, I'm not that old, but kids today, they don't really like to read, you know, uh, it's just how the world works. It's not a problem. People prefer to watch, right? And I think that is just like, like we talk about news publishers, right? Not only do they produce content in text format, they produce like maybe a dozen content pieces per day, right? So that's hundreds and hundreds of content that not many people are going to read. So it feels very unfortunate that a lot of people are putting in time and effort to create this, you know, awesome piece of journalism work and nobody really sees it. So we just want to make sure that it's seen more, right? And the great way of doing that is in short form, mobile first. So vertical is something that we are very strongly believe in as well. I mean, videos traditionally came, you know, pretty much your uh, landscape, right? But that's changed as well. So it's not just good enough to turn text into, you know, that kind of landscape, three, five, 10 minute video. We need 60 seconds. We need perfect for your mobile screen. Uh, that's where people are gonna pay attention, and you know that would then help some of the biggest news publishers uh, gain audiences that they may not have been able to gain if they didn't have this technology. Again, because it's not—it's very easy to write text and, and publish that. It's not easy to make video, right? And you would think that it'll take at least a small team to do one video, maybe a few days, one video every three days, right? But AI can do hundreds of videos per day. You know, it takes like. A minute and a half right now to like come up with a video all you need to do is put a you know, copy and paste url you click generate take, I, I timed it that day it's a minute 22 seconds that's that's what we can do so yeah that's uh that's that could never have been done without ai mm. yeah. okay but like with the with such a volume right how do you make sure that you know the the content is still compelling and unique to viewers mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a very good challenge that you're fe- that you're finding. Um, one argument is, if you think about the short-form video platforms, there is a lot of push towards having more volume. Mm-hmm. The reason you have a lot of volume, I'll give you an example, right? On core YouTube, uh, typically people are watching three to five videos in a session. Yeah. When it comes to YouTube Shorts, which is the short-form sort of TikTok type version, people are watching like 17 videos. They're just scrolling through lots more videos. Um, and that shows that actually having volume is really important. So many people, and we were talking to some brands this morning, their biggest concern is how do I make more TikTok content in a cost-efficient way? Yeah. And you know, AI is probably one of the ways that you can make it in a more cost-efficient way, because if you actually scaled up the typical production cost of video creation, 
and try to, instead of make, making one video a day, make 10 a day, that would 10x the cost. But if AI can say that, you know, maybe AI doesn't get you to like 100% of the same quality. You know, I'm a big believer in AI, but I can tell you, even with generative AI, it may not get you to 100%, the equivalent of a human doing it. But if it gets you to 70-80% in a tenth of the time and a tenth of the cost, that is still something valuable. Okay. Yeah. And I think for the content side of things, you know, talk about um, compelling, right? Uh, Our job is not to, I mean, we have the capability to create fresh content, but most of the time the clients that we work with, what they use is to repurpose content. So we're not here to rewrite, um, you know, what you've already written, which is, again, your expertise in your domain, especially with publishers, right? It's just to kind of like, you know, rephrase it, paraphrase it, and make it a little bit more short form. And at the same time, we don't believe that the video is going to replace, you know, the whole, for example, I don't know, um, ABC uh, News, for example. Do they exist? I don't think so. At least I don't. (laughs) Right, so uh, the idea is that that video that you watch uh, is not supposed to be okay. I'm done with the video and then that's it. Hopefully, if it's compelling enough, you're like, I want to find out more. I want to yeah. find out what happens next. Then they'll go to the website, consider you know reading more of the articles and going deep into it. Which is, I think, the great thing about video. It helps you discover, right? It helps you get into uh, new topics that you may not have uh, thought about that were interesting before. I think that's the beauty of TikTok as well. You know, like. Um, I can be scrolling and be like, okay, this some, like some guys deep frying watermelon. I'm like, you can deep fry watermelon, you know. And now I'm like, what else can you deep fry? <laughs> I could have been thinking about something else this morning, but that's that's how it is, right? So I think the with the beauty of video and with the beauty of you know content, again, the content's already done. We're just here to repurpose it and give you another way to reach out to new audiences without really changing much. It, that's not the point, you know. Uh, a lot of the work has already been done, and that was good work. So yeah. That's how we how we do it. And hopefully with all these videos like you mentioned earlier that viewership is like higher than leadership now, but maybe with the viewership people will be reading more. Correct. That's the whole idea. Yeah. Yeah. So you can drive people off from social onto your own sites and your own OTT platforms. Um, also people are using video inside the article. So you actually see certain websites, if you go to the article page, the video is at the top. So that allows people to consume that article in video format if you wanted to, and then you have video advertising baked into it, which has better CPMs than traditional text advertising that you see inside the article page. Yes. So multiple different things publishers are doing to experiment. Yeah, so many behind the scenes stuff that I've never thought about when I <laughs> click on a piece of news article. But cool to know. Um, yeah, so I think um, the focus of you know on these stories is really to revolutionize content creation, con- content generation with um, obviously using generative AI. So um, can you share, I guess, some examples of, you know, how your AI models have been used in different industries? Like, you know, you mentioned news, but perhaps like what other industries and, you know, what are some of the potential like use cases and how can they have an impact on such industries? Yeah, certainly. I think, uh, you know, the one that we talked about was obviously news, where you're converting articles into videos. Uh, We're also able to do prompt generation into videos. So you could literally type something and say, I want to know top five restaurants in Singapore. And you get a video for top five restaurants in Singapore. That's a new piece of content created, almost like ChatGPT, but the video version of that um, is what we're actually also empowering. So you could have a whole class of new creators who are creating content just through prompts. Right, I just put in a prompt and I create a video and I'm posting that content because the creativity now comes in imagining that prompt that you put into the system. I think this is where, again, generative AI gets exciting, where you can take imagination and make it reality much more easily. 
Whereas in the past, you might think, I mean, this is my classic example, which we, I don't, generative AI hasn't got there yet, but, you know, uh, Super Mario talking to Joe Biden on Mars, okay, <laughs> right? About the Super Bowl. And at some point, generative AI will be able to generate that. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do that yet. It's, it's pretty close, actually, already, <laughs> right now. You're getting That's close, there. right? Yeah. You're getting close. But at some point, you should be able to just generate that video. Yeah. And so it's all about the imagination. Yeah. Uh, and what can the user imagine uh, and having AI be the tool that enables that imagination to come to life. Yeah. Right, we're doing other interesting things like avatars. Uh, in fact, we've even made avatars of ourselves uh, as news anchors in videos where you can put us as narrators. Yeah. So it's just like we take a photo of ourselves, like a front-facing photo, and we turn that into an avatar that's like a news anchor type avatar. Uh, and so in these news videos, we have like a narrator, like how oh, you know in the, on TV you have like yeah. a news anchor. And the anchor is kind of narrating what's what's the content. So we actually have that built using our own avatars, and we can and we're now doing custom avatars for all of our clients, where the reporters could be inside the video or somebody else could be in the video, right? Now this enables a whole new thing again of like people who may not want to be in front of the camera, but like you know have a voice, and we're doing things like voice cloning, where we actually can clone someone's voice, and the voice could be inside the video. Uh, sounds pretty awesome actually like yeah. <laughs> and there's lots of implications and there's obviously some things around ethics we need to consider then when it comes to voice learning but you can see generative AI moving into lots of different directions yeah yeah and I think other use cases as well uh, if you really you know sit down and think about it pretty much almost all the all of internet is text in some way right yeah. and it's not just stories that news publishers put out uh, it's blog articles that brands put out it's product pages on, let's say, Amazon or Shopee. All that is text as well with an image, right? And all of that can be turned into video, right? Uh, and it's actually pretty endless. Any way that text is currently structured, uh, we can kind of look at it and decide, okay, we can add a, you know, a video and then we'll take this headline plus this body of text, then we'll change to this thing and something else, right? So any way currently text is structured, we can turn that. But also, you know, uh, one thing that we're building as well is to turn other forms of non-text also into short-form video, right? So this podcast, I know we're doing a video right now, but we're also recording audio. If the video didn't exist and all we had was audio, we can turn it into video as well. We're turning long-form video into the short-form vertical format. I know we're not filming vertical, but that's also something that we're planning to do, right? So any form of uh, content out that's not just text-based, text-based is what we started with because it's honestly simpler. Right, but any form of content can now be turned into short form vertical, uh, because again, that's what people want to look at, right? And it's it's sometimes you, you can go to like a Amazon listing, so many different things are there, like the dimension. Let's say you're trying to buy a mic, for example, the, the dimensions, the sound level, it's all in text, right? But then yeah. you're like, I don't know, I don't understand, or you know, it's very hard to read, or there's so many of them. I can generate a video, you know, simply the top five, which each of their stats of what it means along with it, with a narrator telling you this is the number, you know, from, from five, from the fifth to the first one, something like that. So that's something that we can do. And, you know, it's, it's exciting because the use cases only can, there's only more that we haven't thought of yeah. that is still possible, you know? You feel that energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think we've talked about the benefits and I think we briefly touched on, you know, a bit of the challenges and we mentioned ethics a bit. Um, so... Yeah, what I guess are some of the unique challenges when working in this space? I think one of the challenges I, we found is everyone's 
definition or expectation of generative AI is very different. Okay. So we've gone to people and they're like, oh, it should be able to convert a PDF report into a video. And okay. we're like, not yet. We <laughs> convert PDF to Microsoft Word. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly, right? So we're like, that's an awesome use case. Can we do it yet? We're working on it, right? It's actually quite difficult. Yeah. Uh, but we haven't cracked some of these things. Um, there's there's a bunch of other things where we're trying to do uh, voice cloning and we're trying to do like, okay, we recorded the voice in one language, but we want the person to speak in a different language. So you could have someone who has an English voice and, you know, we've recorded them and we've taken a voice clone, of, we've made a voice clone of them in English and now you want them to speak Bahasa Indonesia. <laughs> Working on it, right? It doesn't come out perfectly, but yeah. like, okay, like how do you actually speak another language? And so it's in their accent, but it's a different language. Uh, there, there's lots of these things that are coming out in generative AI. Um, we're also, I mean, uh, you know, as part of some of the new initiatives that we're working on, uh, we're working on things like ultra-realistic avatars. Yeah. In ultra-realistic avatars means we actually record someone, uh, convert their physical video into an avatar, uh, have a voice clone of them, and now you have a ability to just type and you have that person standing and presenting. We do like a lip sync adjustment so that when the words come out, it's firstly in their own accent, but also the lips are adjusted to fit the words yeah. coming out. And there's obviously like a video of that person who's in the avatar. So it's actually pretty amazing what you can actually do with Gen AI um, and starts to open up a whole host of possibilities, right? One of the things we've been considering is what if content creators actually created their own digital avatars this way mm-hmm. and the digital avatars were creating content. Right, and I mean, there's still a licensing deal there. The creator owns the avatar, and the use of that avatar is is kind of restricted based on the use cases that the creator is allowing, um, and kind of do a deal that way where now you're saving time because the creator doesn't have to always be there, but his avatar is actually creating videos. Um, where you know, like we're working with like some CEOs who want to create an avatar of themselves so they can give like a board update oh, or like a quarterly update while they were on the like beach. A, or like a birthday greeting to their staff in a personalized kind of way. So yeah, lots of cool things actually coming up. Yeah. <laughs> I think for, for me, the challenge of AI is that I think when we were all introduced to it a few months ago, we all thought it was scary, but it's not perfect. And it's still very new. I think, you know, we being a part of it, um, understand that uh, it, it's still not a magic bullet. Uh, if you can imagine it, it probably can get there one day, but doesn't mean it can get there today, right? And everybody's working on it. It's not just us. There are you know bigger boys out there, you know, that have billions of data sets uh, trying to uh, figure out figure it out as well. I think that's also a beauty of it. We don't have to figure out everything by ourselves, you know. So we can always uh, piggyback, uh, you know, some of the great innovations by other people. And, and I think that's that's the beauty. Of that, but like I said, it's not perfect, right? So yeah, the expectations is something, and it can break sometimes, you know. And you still need a human to look at it and realize, okay, no, that didn't come out exactly yeah. as what we wanted, yeah. you know. So and it's both us to make sure that we QC, but then also for clients to also make sure that they QC as well. Like you can have huge faith in AI, but you cannot be blind faith in AI. You know, so that's also setting expectations to customers and making sure that, you know, we're all here to figure it out together, uh, you know, and we need a partnership. It's not like, a, it's not like I sell you, you know, a table and you, of course, you don't expect the table to break. Uh, right now, you know, we're still fixing the legs and stuff like that, <laughs> you know, so, uh, but you want, but it's a cool product. You want to use it, you want to try it out, but yet we're still, we're still figuring it out at the same time. Everybody is. Yeah. Yeah. You think there needs to be like a bit more understanding about 
generative AI itself because, you know, there's some expectations like you mentioned, you know, it's not really possible managing expectations regarding what generative AI can do. Um, I mean, yeah. the reality is there's a huge amount of hype, right? Mm -hmm. And AI has existed for like quite a while. Like, there's been yes. 20 years of AI. Yeah. Um, what changed was with ChatGPT, the ability to access these AI models changed, mm. right? So you could just, these models existed, but it's almost like the example is, um, you know, you could go into the old school computers and you could like do like a command line program to load a program. And then suddenly one day the mouse showed up and you could use the mouse to click on an icon and you could load the same program. Mm. That's kind of what happened with ChatGPT. And so suddenly this whole thing exploded because everybody could access these AI models, ask it questions and get answers. Um, and so it opened up this whole host of generative AI space where people are like, wow, you can have models of all these different things, which yeah. many of these models could do these things before this whole hype started. Um, and so I think some of the hype is maybe overhyped. Some of the hype is real. Um, the use cases are still getting figured out, to be very honest, right? Generative AI in finance, generative AI in, in insurance, in shipping, in construction industries, in the healthcare industry. There's so many industries that this is getting into. Yeah. Um, you have the issue of model hallucinations, where a model can come up with a random answer. Yeah. Uh, that's not a uncommon thing. Mm -hmm. And if you're using something for medical or for, um, or for the banking industry, like legal. getting on legal, getting something wrong is not a good thing. Yeah. So there are definitely things about generative AI that still need to be considered, right? Um, I think for us, because we're playing in the content space, that's a little bit less uh, of relevance to us. Mm -hmm. But in, yeah. the, in the overall industry overall, this is actually some of the biggest things that people are talking about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, I mean, when it comes to, you know, growing a company and, you know, being at an early stage startup, I would say you guys are at a very exciting space right now with, you know, more projects coming in, a growing team and, you know, funding as well, which congrats, by the way. So, um, yeah, looking into the future, like, you know, what are some things that you're excited about or hoping to achieve within the next couple of years? I know you yeah. mentioned the one billion in five years, but yeah, that's, like, that's true. Oh, that's true. I think, look, the thing that we get passionate about is solving real customer problems, right? I think right now we're at that phase where we're trying lots of things. There's lots of customer interest. Uh, have you truly cracked generative AI in a way that it's driving revenue, saving costs, meaningfully helping companies. And to be very honest, most people have not uh, because everyone's sort of trying generative AI. Yeah. Everyone feels it's going to have a lot of impact, but has that been realized and come through in a PNL or something? Not yet. Mm. And if you ask me in the next two years, we'd love to have that. And to us, that is what is product market fit, where we've built a product that solves a customer's problem in a meaningful way. Mm. And we're either saving them time, saving them money, or helping them make more money. It's generally one of these three things. Um, and the way AI works, it's mostly an efficiency tool. Mm. I always think about generative AI as efficiency. Saves time, uh, makes saves effort, right? And so ultimately, you can do things faster, you can do things more simply, you can do things more easily, which otherwise would have taken much more time and would have been harder to do. I think also the, the, the thing that we've learned a lot is like we can build a product that we think works and uh, I mean, we, we think this is how you're supposed to use it, right? And then we talk to clients. As an early stage startup, you realize that your clients see things very differently from you, That's right? And they all see, they all use the same product, but in such different ways. And I'm like, okay, all right. So we talk to five different guys, they want to use it all five different ways. 
And, you know, then that also requires a little tweak here, a little tweak there. So, you know, working in, in an early age, uh, you know, uh, like a, a startup, honestly, is that sometimes, you know, um, figuring out what to say yes to, what to say no to is also an issue, right? Um, and we can continue to build, but then sometimes you get distracted by a new product request or something like that. You know, so that's part of the challenge of figuring it out. But we love it because when clients tell you, okay, I want to use it this way, then we know, okay, that's solving a problem. Because we can tell you, you know, that, okay, you should use it this way. But they're like, actually, I don't have an issue with that. But I can see it using, you know, this other uh, thing to solve. I'm like, actually, that's a good thing, yeah. right? And more of that is always good. So we're always trying to, you know, look out for more clients and find clients that want to work with us as well. You know, that um, are collaborative. Uh, I think that's very, very important for any other each uh, startup. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting, you know, like sometimes not all products are so collaborative in that sense. And I think when you guys mentioned a lot about, you know, the potential of what you can do with with your product as well, there's so many ideas, right? And I think it all comes down to collaboration as well. Like, where do you want this to take? Which direction? Where are we going to take this? So, yeah, cool. Yeah, I think we have the daily problem of like too many things that we want to do mm. or too many things that people want to do with us. So we go and meet people and they're like, let's go try things. I'm like, whoa, that's really cool. And then there's this other thing. And then there's this other thing. And we're like, now we have like 10. Yeah. And being a small startup, we can't do all 10. And so that's like a daily challenge that we kind of go through. But yeah, it's, it's, it's the growing pains of an early stage startup. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I think mentioned the good stuff, right? How did you, I guess, come to the stage of, you know, being getting interest and some, some people are like struggling you know with some companies out there are struggling with funding or you know even attracting talent to the company as well that's that's an issue too so um yeah how do you overcome this or how do you you know face these challenges yeah i mean look we've been very fortunate we have some really great investors who believe in us mm-hmm. i think mainly the vision of a billion stories and yeah. the way that we want to try and achieve this playing in a space that is very exciting uh, in the content technology space, like how do I use technology to enable storytelling, which is where I think our vision stands out, um, really helped us when we were doing fundraising. Uh, we have an awesome team of leaders. I think, you know, my co-founders, all kind of pre-ex-Google people. Um, you know, one of them is actually a Emmy-nominated actress turned journalist turned Google person who runs business for us and works with yeah. publishers, which is awesome. Right? Uh, and then you've got uh, uh, Ravi Hamza, who's like this god of technology in some ways he's worked at like linkedin in Bobby, yahoo in the early days uber rippling so multiple different hats he's played yeah. right and so we're lucky that i've got co-founders like that uh to help on the journey otherwise it's not possible so i think that allowed us to raise money um but you know i think uh, also the kind of team that we have we started this company during covid everyone was in their bedroom i literally started this in my bedroom during covid and lockdown hired a bunch of people from my bedroom, raised money from my bedroom. <laughs> and so this whole company started in this way. And actually, there are a bunch of companies who started during COVID, which actually yeah. redefine how company building works. Because mm. at that time when I was hiring, I was like, it doesn't really matter if I hire someone in Singapore or Egypt. If I find good talent in Egypt at a better price or as a good kind of like level uh, to meet our needs, then we'll just hire in Egypt. 
Um, and so we actually have 25 staff across nine different countries and maybe 12 different cities, wow. uh, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I think exactly. that, that diversity makes it really fun yeah. uh, as a company. And, uh, you know, I think this is also why people like to come work for us. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's the beauty of it because, you know, having really awesome people definitely helps. Uh, I Honestly, the funny thing is, so I was a client of... Uh, 1B Stories before I was an employee of 1B Stories. So in my previous company, you know, I just my first month or second month in, I was introduced to Anu because he came to our office. And I'm like, this guy is really smart. And he talks a lot. He's <laughs> 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 really smart, right? So then we, I started working with the team. You know, I started working with Stacy, who is also the chief business officer. And, you know, I'm like, okay, he has really good people with him with, you know, good, good head on their shoulders. Everybody's positive, everybody's driven. And I'm like, this, these guys are legit in, in more ways than one, right? So they're legit because um, they're good at what they do, but they're legit because they really want to help. You know, I'm like, okay, this is, this is a great team and they all want to help each other as well. So I saw that and I'm, and I'm like, you know, that's very, very important for any um, team because it's so easy for any startup to fail just because, you know, you don't hire the right people. Yeah. Right or um, you know one guy screws you over massively. Any everything can crumble literally overnight. You know we've seen that many times. Um, so having a good team is there definitely very very important. And you know coming from uh, somebody who used to be a client, I'm like when I heard that there was an opportunity, I was like <laughs> hell yes. You know so yeah I kind of came on board and um, yeah so that's that's pretty cool. I'm glad to be part of the uh, the team in now inside and seeing that it doesn't it doesn't change. You know sometimes. Companies can be very, very nice to their customers, you know, but then, you know, uh, when they're working with each other, not very nice, but it has been brilliant both ways, both as a, as a client, as an employee. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great to, to have good people with you and that's the only way that you can succeed. That's a lot of praise so far. <laughs> <laughs> so far, but um, yeah, I think for those that are maybe tuning in and like maybe interested, you know, to, to join or to check wonder stories out like what's the ideal candidate i guess for you guys like uh, to join your team i mean you mentioned anyone that's good but you know good can mean a lot of things that's true i think uh first and foremost right you've got a you've got to have synergy with our vision yeah. of getting to a billion stories of storytelling of using technology to enable people to tell better stories in these interesting interactive kind of ways I think if that appeals to you and you're passionate about that, then you're already going to be in the right kind of mode. Uh, this is before we even get to technical qualifications. Yeah. The other thing is we are an international team across multiple different countries and multiple different time zones. And we work in a very remote slash hybrid kind of way. Uh, we've got a small little office in Singapore, but otherwise everyone's always working from home. And, uh, you know, it allows people to interact with people from various different time zones. Yesterday, I was on a call with someone from Egypt, India, Singapore, and Malaysia. Yeah. And that's like our team working on a project. Yeah. Uh, just the reality of how it is. Mm. So I think you need to be comfortable with all of these things and enjoy that and enjoy that diversity and that dynamic. Um, and then, of course, you know, role, qualifications, all that comes in. Yeah. I think for me, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not the boss. I don't make hiring decisions at the moment. I'm not. The marketing team is still solo guy. Uh, you know, but I think that, yeah, working with, with people from everywhere matters, um, you know, so you have to be, you know, sensitive to cultural differences. Um, you know, um, I think that sometimes, especially coming from Singapore, we work at an extremely fast pace. Um, there are people in different countries that may not, right? Um, but that's okay. And I think figuring out how to work well with each other is very, very important. 
Um, so it's being very mindful of that. So as long as you are a people person, that you're like, okay, I, I, I know I'm working with people that have never seen me, never, I've never shook, the, uh, you know, shook their hand, but I still want to do well for this person because I know and I trust that this person will do well for me for the better of everybody, then that's somebody I want to work with, right? So you can't be um, too egoistic, you can't be too, you know, silo. Uh, it has to be a collaborative effort. And I think the more of that and the more you embrace that, then I say welcome on board. So, um, fortunately, we're sort of coming to the end of um, the podcast. Um, but before that, is there anything that either of you would like to add before, you know, we wrap things up? Look, I think just for me, it's it's just to say that generative AI is just a very exciting space. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, it, it is one of these transformational, pivotal kind of moments, as people say, um, where technology takes a step change. And I think it's just exciting that we are part of this journey as one of the many companies playing in this space. Um, I recently, maybe a couple of months ago, started a generative AI community in Singapore because there just wasn't one. And I just started a telegram group of people who are like, are you interested in generative AI? You're doing something cool in this. So we just started. And that's grown and we've done a couple of events now. We recently, yesterday we had an event where we had a speaker speak about hallucinations uh, and like a hundred people showed up, which is actually really amazing. So some of this community work that we're also doing to kind of grow the Gen AI community as we all build towards the future, is actually quite helpful mm. because it's still such a nascent and new space. No yeah. one's really figured it out. Yeah. Um, so as much as we are trying to figure this out, like I think we're also trying to see how we all work together as a community to figure these things out. Yeah. I mean, for the marketing guy, I got to put in a marketing plug, you know, <laughs> so if you are ever interested in, you know, turning content into video, you know, who to talk, right? Um, so I, I think, I, I mean, the thing is, uh, it's very, very important to understand, you know, what can be done. Uh, and I think it's very also, I mean, for any company out there uh, to know that this is something that you can tap on, you know, at least try it out. Uh, be open to, to new technology, be open to new, to new change. As long as it, you know, makes things simpler, give it a go. Right, so I think that's a marketing plug, and you know, visit our website, monbistories.com. We also have video fight uh, AI. <laughs> Check that out. Uh, follow us on socials. I have a KPI to hit. But yeah, you know, so I think talk to us. Um, you know, I think be explorative. Um, there's so much in AI, not just text to video. You know, there's, there's writing, there's image generation, there's so many things nowadays. You know, be open to that. And I think that's it's been really cool because. I, I know for like for certain that human life will probably get better because of this. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Liana. Thank you to both of you guys for sharing with us all about the journey of, you know, one stories. And um, thank you as well to our lovely audience for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you again next time when we discuss another hot topic on the exchange by evolution. Bye.